0: When the road is winding and it's way too long, He is there to deliver you. He wants to deliver you from heartache, from hardship, no matter what you're going through. God wants to deliver you. The missionary and his wife were on their way home from the mission field on this large ship. Also on the same ship was a well-known dignitary going home as well. When the ship docked, the missionary couple watched as the dignitary was greeted with much music and a large group of people. After the commotion of the dignitary, the missionary couple walked down the plank totally unnoticed. The husband said to his wife, It is not fair that this man gets all the recognition and he has not done anything for the Lord. The wife said to her husband, But dear, we are not home yet. What a pondering thought. What we do on this earth doesn't need man's recognition. What we do on this earth needs God's recognition. What a thought. And our wives have such a way to speak to us and to help us and guide us and to bring things into perspective. Asaph, which is a man's name, should we name our children Asaph? Get over here, Asaph. What a name. Asif teaches us a great deal about the struggle between bitterness and betterment. So if you would please, turn in your Bible to Psalms chapter 73. And we will read it together. Psalms chapter 73. I love the Psalms. If you've not written... Read the songs, you will love what is written there as it encourages your heart. This is a psalm from a young man that I'll go into that had a great voice, led a choir, was a priest, and loved people, loved his children, had a great ministry. Unfortunately, he lost focus. And we'll notice in Psalm 73, it's the mystery of the prosperous that wickedness sets in and the differences between the two. Listen closely as we read together in verse 1 of Psalm chapter 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Now, when we read this, I want you to think maybe in your own life. Maybe you've lost perspective and you've lost focus. Maybe you're putting your eyes and looking inwardly instead of upwardly. Maybe you're focusing on an area in your life that just really needs God. He lost perspective. Verse 3, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How many have said, he is just a wicked person. He doesn't even deserve to have that. How do they prosper? How do they have all the money in the world? They don't even go to church. Well, that's what started taking place with Asaph. He lost his perspective. How many of you would say today, there's been a time in your life where you've been there too. You've lost perspective. Amen. Amen. I appreciate you all being honest. Verse 5. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand at with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. That word actually means they speak very proud. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? You know, as I was reading this, uh, Junior shared yesterday in the King's Knightsmen's Prayer Breakfast, he said, At work, there was a co worker that made a comment in regard to God. And this, this passage here really resonated with me. When here they are, the wickedness, they're questioning, really? Did you notice, uh, what about this most high God that you serve? Verse 12, "...behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children." When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood, I, therein. Isn't that awesome? When he went into the sanctuary of God, what happens when you come to church? Do you feel convicted? Does the Holy Spirit start to speak to you? Isn't it amazing? I I love that part. When I went into the sanctuary of God, verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou "...cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, the ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by my right hand." Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I could just stop. Isn't that wonderful? That God gives strength to the weakness. And here Asaph was saying, Oh God, I need You in my time of weakness. I know You'll help me. I know you'll, you'll, you'll bring me through. Verse 27 says, For lo, they that are far from Thee shall perish, as destroyed all them that go a-whoring from Thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all Thy works. Bitterness. You say, Pastor, what is bitterness? What does it mean? Bitterness is simply anger, disappointment, lack of sweetness, and absence of the betterment we find in praising God. The absence we find in praising God. When we focus and think on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, excellent, admirable, upright, and praiseworthy, we then can fill our mind with that which makes us better, thereby eliminating bitter thoughts. Philippians 4.8. He says, think on these things. The college professor challenged the class with his question. Did God make everything there is? One student bravely answered, yes. Yes. Everything, young man. Yes, he did, sir, the young man replied. The professor responded, if God made everything, then God made evil. And if we can only create from within ourselves, then God is evil. The student didn't have a response and the professor was happy to have once again proved that the Christian faith is to be just a myth. Then another man raised his hand and asked, may I ask you something, sir? Sir. Yes, you may, responded the professor. The young man stood and here's what he said. Sir, is there such thing as cold? The young man replied, actually, sir, cold does not exist. What we consider to be cold is really only the absence of heat. Absolute zero is when there's absolutely no heat. But cold does not really exist. We have only created that term to describe how we feel when heat is not there. The young man continued, sir. Is there such thing as dark? Once again, the professor responded, Of course there is. And once again, the student replied, Actually, sir, darkness does not exist. Darkness is really only the absence of light. And darkness is only a term man developed to describe what happens when there is no light present. Finally, the young man asked, Sir, is there such thing as evil? The professor responded, of course, we have rapes and murders and there's violence everywhere in the world. Those things are evil. And the student replied, actually, sir, evil does not exist. Evil is simply the absence of God. Evil is a term man developed to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. It isn't like truth or love which exists as virtues like heat and light. Evil is simply the state where God is not present. Like cold without heat or darkness without light. And the professor had nothing to say. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you that we can open up your word. We can take your word, make it applicable to our life. And God, this morning, may we not have an absence of Your presence in our life. Oh God, we've come to a place in America where there's so much expectation. There's so much anticipation. And so disappointment comes in and anger comes in. And and the root of bitterness takes residence in our soul. And so today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind Satan and I free those that are bitter from anger, from disappointment, from hardship of life. And Lord, I loose it and I pray for victory in their life. Lord Jesus, help us as we look at your word, the life of Asaph, in the next few minutes as we are encouraged through this man's trial and tribulation. Thank you, God. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Deliver us today in your holy name we pray. Amen. At this time, I want to ask two volunteers, and I think this would be good for our associate pastor, Chris and Jared. Come on up. I have an illustration I just want to show you today. Bitterness. Bitterness is like lemons. We have up here two lemons and we have two limes. If I peeled them right now, what would take place? I would peel them. My eyes would probably start watering. I'm not sure, but I doubt it. That's an onion. And uh, but did you guys know I could juggle? See? That just came to I, I can't hold three things in one hand because it makes me want to clown around. There you go, Brother Al. So, anyhow, if I gave these to both these guys and said, What does a lemon taste like? What would you say? Bitter. Bitter. Sour. Sour. Okay. So if I asked you right now to take a chunk of this, what would your response be? No, thank you. No, thank you. I have to tell you what we used to do when the girls were little. I, I know this is, this is torture. It's bad. But you have done it too. Don't act like you're all innocent and everything. <laughs> I would say to Caitlin, Victoria, Megan, Lindsay, you want to taste this lemon? It tastes good. And it's so sweet. You know, they have no teeth. They take that little lemon, they put it in their mouth. The next thing you know, they're going... You see, all of a sudden, I think they felt like their lips became about this big. And so, we realize that our life is like a lemon. That when bitterness comes in, it is sour, it just doesn't have a good taste. So, I want want you to watch closely as we demonstrate really what you look like when bitterness takes root in your life. And so I'd like you to take this nice lemon. If you'll pop the cap on that for me. And I want you to just, when you put it in, you have to squirt it just a little bit. You might want to go real slow. And just Why don't you taste it and tell us what you think about the lemon and the lime. Go ahead. It's sour. Let's thank our, our two volunteers this morning. Thank you. Think about your life as a lemon. Do you want people to see you like this? Nobody wants to see you like that. They want you to have joy. <laughs> I should have had some water up here for you. But I didn't this morning. Listen, Asaph was no slouch. He was a successful man of God. He wrote several sacred lyrics for worshipful songs, which we won't go back to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verse thirty. Not only did Asaph write Psalm seventy-three, but he also wrote the next ten in succession, as well as Psalms fifty. They're all attributed to him in his walk. Asaph was a musical man who was known as a choir director, so he obviously had the ability to help lead what? Worship music. He was used of God in many ways, but even he struggled with temptation to give in to bitterness, to anger, and to envy. Asaph was used greatly by God. He was a prophet. And if we read back in Second Chronicles, there's just a few verses that I have to say this is great because he's still over here going. You can, it's hard to get out of your, out of that taste out of your mouth. Just enjoy it. That's how bitterness is. Some people enjoy it, right? And uh, but here's what we notice here. We learned that Asaph. He was a visionary at times. He could see things. He was also a fruitful man, and that his children walked with God. And you'll see that also in chapter 25, verse one, in First Chronicles records that the four of his sons participated in conducting the chorus that sung at the temple, Dedication. Here's a man who's dealing with all these attributes, all these characteristics, all these components of disappointment, of anger, of, of all the frustration that comes along with that, but yet he's still encouraging his children, he's still in the ministry, and he hasn't given up. If we were to actually write down in our journal of life Would we say the same things that he has said? I expected this. I anticipated that. And now I'm done. I'm retiring. God is no longer a part of my life. But there's a part in Asaph's life where he starts to regret that bitterness. But the other problem he had, he overreacted to prosperity. Prosperity privileges and pleasures of others as we read this morning in verses 3 through 12 you got an idea of how terribly jealous and envious that Asaph was he be, or how he became he, dis, he did not like the successes of others no matter how far we come we are still subject to slipping into what? embitterment Regression spiritually, and the mire of loss of focus on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him did not mind the difficulties, Paul said, but adored the cross for the joy that was set before him. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Some of us do become embittered, we become angry, we become impatient with God when we compare ourselves with others. I love the old hymn that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I remember being a teenager, facing disappointment. And the song would come to my mind, Todd, just turn your eyes upon me. Look full in my wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Aren't you thankful for forgiveness? That we can forgive, and then that frees us from the hardship. Sometimes, bitterness comes in as we feel that we are not appreciated, or it makes very little difference in the world. We can fall into the bitterness trap. Asa felt that his service for the Lord was in vain, perhaps because he saw no physical evidence. Psalms 100 says this, Let us come into the presence of God daily with singing and serve the Lord with gladness and know that He is God. We serve the Lord out of what? We serve Him out of love. Amen? Amen. We serve Him out of obedience. We learned yesterday, we serve Him out of trust. Not because anyone gives us recognition for what we do, but please be sure that is not your motivation. Remember as a young young lad and a young man that in my life church has been a drag. Some people looked at me my it has been. Dealing with people is difficult. Do you deal with people in your workplace? That's life. We're all sinners. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Thank God for His saving grace. Ephesians 2.8.9 It's difficult. And it's going to happen to us. And it's hard to keep that joy going. But the joy will continue to keep going if you stay kingdom-minded. Looking upward, not inward. Focusing on God and not self. We need to stop. Listen. In the last three months, I have watched people come into my office for counseling. I'm talking couples, not talking single people. Couples have come, and guess what they're dealing with? Bitterness. They can't get free from bitterness. Listen, if that is you, married couple, forgive. Forget. Find it in the depths of your soul in your heart to forgive your spouse. Find it in the depths of your soul to apologize. Find it in the depths of your soul to work at that marriage. God loves you. He loves the union of marriage. He says it in Ephesians 5. He died for the church. He died for His bride. Would you die for yours? What have you done lately to release some of that bitterness, to make it better in your relationship? Try not to focus just on the present, but thank God for the great things He has done for you in the past. Also, be hopeful he will do greater things through you in the future. Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And he says, if you ask anything in my name, he said, I will do it. But more than that, he says this, I'll do it. That the Father may be glorified. Why don't you do this with me? Why don't you take your finger and go like this? That the Father may be glorified. Where's a pointing? Uh, if, we, if we do this more often than we do this, we'll start to see some freedom and victory in our life. God loves you. He cares for you. And you have been holding on to the bitterness That goes way back into your young years. Where you can't forgive and forget. One of the things counselors see every day is this. I can't forgive him or her. You've got to find it within you to do that. To free you. Bill Gothard always said this. It's like a tree. Bitterness comes in. It takes root in your soul and then it wraps its roots all the way around you until it suffocates you till you no longer can breathe, and the next thing you know, you're a sour, bitter lemon. God wants you free. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching on this? Well, because God impressed my heart to preach on this. Because I want to see a church running with joy delivered free loving God having a great time serving him not complaining about serving him our life's tiring man I love going to sleep I've been telling my wife I love my pillow I can't wait till I can close my eyes and go to sleep how many of you were tired this morning what was up this morning it's very rare that I can't get out of bed. I just wanted to stay in bed and sleep. I did. I just wanted to sleep and sleep and sleep some more. But since I hit 40, my body says, you're getting up right now. And it is hard for me to get motivated to get to get going. And uh, but, so I come out of bed and, and I anticipate our worship service here this morning. As we continue, before we close, do not personalize your problems, predicaments, or the prosperity, peace, or pride of the wicked. Know that the Lord will bring vengeance and vindication. The Lord promises that whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Regardless of how great things look for the wicked, know that the Lord is the judge. He is the evaluator and accountant of of us all. He knows exactly what we're doing, how we're treating people, and what walk we're on in life. Didn't they do a beautiful job, the Creative Arts Ministry team? I love that song. Say this with me I want delivered. I want delivered. We all want delivered. Satan knows that. He is like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour, and he's waiting for the weakest link. And we're not talking about a game show. What we're talking about is your relationship with him. Asaph started noticing in his life that he was losing focus. He even wrote about it in the Word. Here he is, a singer. How many of you love music? I love music. Music becomes a method of healing for me. It helps me to get rid of disappointment, of frustration. I know my wife and I, we love that song, Deliver Me. Two days ago, I came home and I said, Oh, I've asked Hillary, you know, and the creative arts ministry team to do sign language to that song by Sailor. She goes, You did? So did I. She's like, Oh, what a great week. I said, See, that's because God's in it. If God be for us, who shall be against us? Let's go together. Let's move forward. When I think of the Nepali church, I am so excited about that building. I'm so excited about what God's going to do, the souls that are going to be saved, and that we, as a church, have the great privilege and opportunity to have a church plant for lost people. Do you understand that in the Hindu faith, or a cult is what I should say, I mean, it's not even a faith, but the Hindus believe in over 1,200 to 2,000 And I'm thankful that we serve a God who knows what we're going through. Who wants to heal us. Who wants to help us. Who wants us to live a victorious Christian life. I woke up this morning and I made my mind up. I'm not going to let anything disappoint me. Today's the Lord's Day. And no matter what comes my way, and there's already obstacles every single day. Isn't it funny? You get out of bed, there's an obstacle. But Satan knows that because he wants to steal it from your life. And God wants you free. God gave Asaph strength. And he will do the same thing for you. He will give you stability. Because even Asaph worshipped even when he struggled. And you heard me read that in verses 17 through 24. And I won't go back through. When you sense you are struggling with bitterness... Be sure to take time out to praise God for His prevailing love, for His hope, for His power, for His presence, and for His problem-solving abilities. And Thank Him for allowing you to learn to be content in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. The Bible says this in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, He also says, He shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. He wants you free. But you can't do it unless you practice the latter part of that verse. Through Christ Jesus. Get around godly people who can encourage you to look up rather than look around at the people of the world. Perhaps Asaph was sending too much time in the company of the ungodly instead of with the godly. I love what Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25 says. Here's what it teaches us. And let us consider how we may spur, how we may may encourage one another on toward love and good deeds. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. But let us do what? Let us encourage one another. And all the time more as you see the day Approaching. The farther we go, the more we will need the fellowship of ungodly people. Why don't you do something with me? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, It is great to see you today. Isn't that awesome? People laugh, they're smiling, there's joy. How many of you in this room anticipate seeing your church family every Sunday. We all do. So why not say, it is great to see you today. You ought to see it from my perspective. Instead of this, I get to see, hey, great to see you today. There's something great when we let go of the harsh, mean, angry person that's deep within us. But if God is love, then we should mirror God that love in His image. I know you can do it. I know God wants to do it in and through you. Thank, praise, and reflect on all the advantages we have over those who allow themselves to become bitter, cynical, and negative. We have many advantages over Asaph in the New Testament, such as in the following example. We know the Scripture verse that says, Yet in all these things we've been made more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now, let me just give you a little illustration. Could you imagine if I went through this church all the time and said, Really? Does there have to be a hole right here? Man, in the back, it would be nice if it was painted. Man, I just, I hate this carpet. Matter of fact, it's either too hot in this building or it's too cold. I just can't stand it for that. That's a distraction to me. And I'm freezing and my feet aren't going to freeze any longer. That's it. God, I'm done. I'm not going to church. Well, if we look on the flip side, my focus was never on the spirit or the presence of God. I came into the building looking at things that took away from my spiritual growth. And God wants you to live abundantly with power and life. And I love that in our life. Hey, I'm guilty. Since I'm the one standing up here talking, I'll confess in front of all of you. There is a level of disappointment that I get. I do throw a temper tantrum every once in a while. I know it's hard for you all to believe, but I do it. I do get mad. I do get angry. But the Bible says don't sin. You are angry, but yet we have to come to a place where we go, Lord, I don't want to be a sour lemon. And I forgot the rest of my illustration and because you guys are such so great, you get the lemon heads. There you go, because you're just awesome. Hey, and it's an interception because you know what a lemon hay is. Look at him. Give it to me right now. I'm going to take you down, <laughs> sir. Is there bitterness that you're dealing with? I told you. It came out. Did you see that face? You will give me my lemon heads right now. (laughs) You know, when I think about it, it's because when you eat a lemon head, how many of you like lemon heads? I do. I love lemon heads. You know, it's sour, then all of a sudden it becomes so sweet when that outer shell starts to go away. Look at the youth. Pastor, is it okay if we all have lemon heads? And Jared's over there. One for you, five for me. One for you, he as he's dishing them out. It's okay. But I will tell you, I think every one of us needs a little sugar in our life. We all need to be sweetened up just a little. God wants to do it. I love this story of this 92-year-old, petite, well-poised, little, proud lady. She was fully dressed each morning by 8 o'clock with her hair fashionably coiffed and makeup perfectly applied. Even though she is legally blind, she moved to a nursing home today. Her husband of 70 years had recently passed away, making the move necessary. After many hours of waiting patiently in the lobby of the nursing home, she smiled sweetly, and when told her room was ready, she got excited. As she maneuvered with her walker to the elevator, it says, I provided a visual description of her tiny, Little room, including the eyelet sheets that had been hung on her window. She says, not being able to see, oh, I love it. She stated with the enthusiasm of an 80-year-old, having just been presented with a new puppy. Mrs. Jones, you haven't even seen the room wait yet. Just wait. That doesn't have anything to do with it, she replied. Happiness is something you decide ahead of time. Whether I like my room or not doesn't depend on how the furniture is arranged. It's how I arrange it in my mind. I already decided to love it. It's a decision I make every morning when I wake up. You see, I have a choice. I can spend the day in bed recounting the difficulty I have with the parts of my body that no longer work. Or get out of bed and be thankful for the ones that do work. You see... Each day is a gift to me, she said. And as long as my eyes open, I'll focus on the new day and all the happy memories I've stored away just for this time in my life. You see, old age is like a bank account. You can only withdraw from what you've put into it. So my advice to you is this. Deposit a lot of happiness in the bank account of memories. What have I said to all my nieces and nephews? What are we doing? Making memories. You have to make memories because that's all we'll have. Life is sure, very, very short. And God wants to make you happy. Six things. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Free your heart from hatred. Free your mind from worries. Live simply. Give more. Expect less. And avoid murmuring and complaining. And I'm going to give you some scripture verses to remember. John sixteen thirty three says, These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Romans twelve says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world first John four four whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 1 John 5, 4. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57. Listen closely as I conclude this morning. Get better as you praise As you think, as you share with others the bounty we have, because the Lord is our shepherd. And as the music plays and we quietly and listen closely to Psalms 23, I want you to think as you've walked through the valley in your life, and there's been some hardship. Here's what he says. You see, it starts out with a relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, that's supply. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He gives you rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Isn't that refreshment? He restores my soul. And that's healing. And then He brings in guidance. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And that's purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's testing you in your life. I will fear no evil. For you see, that's protection. I will fear no evil. Why? Because of His faithfulness, He says, Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's hope. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's consecration. And then there's abundance because He says, My cup runneth over, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and that's the blessing. And then the choir sings, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever, and that's eternity. In his tape, Living Faith, put out by Random House audiobooks from 1996, President Jimmy Carter shared that forgiveness is fundamental to his life. He says that without the knowledge that he can be forgiven, it would be impossible for him to face his own shortcomings. This even includes forgiveness of himself. He relates of both Him and his wife, Rosalind. He said, we're both strong-willed people. Persons who find it difficult to admit being at fault. One day after a particularly disturbing argument, President Carter decided that he would never let another day end with each of them angry with each other. So he went out to his wood shop and cut a thin piece of walnut, a little smaller than a blank check. On it, he carved the words, each evening forever. This is good for an apology or forgiveness as you desire. Each evening forever, this is good for an apology or forgiveness as you desire. That evening, he gave the plaque to Rosalind. He reports that so far, he's been able to honor it each time Rosalind has presented it to him. With his plaque, Carter created a climate of forgiveness between the two of them. Without the knowledge that we will be forgiven, how quickly will we admit our own faults? And how can our closest relationships be healthy if we are afraid to apologize? Or unwilling to accept an apology? A climate of forgiveness is a necessary part of happiness. Let Him deliver you. Stay bitter or become better. If you've ever been in my office and you've ever come for counseling, I made up a form and it's a spiritual prescription. This morning, I want to give you a spiritual prescription. And as I write out the pad, here's what it says. Let God. Deliver you. Let Him have His way in your life. Let God remove the sloppy butter, the sourpuss lemon from your face, from your life. So today, I want you to pray. God, remove this let this cup of bitterness pass from me. Let this anger be removed. And God will do that. When I said earlier, the years in the ministry have been difficult. And they haven't all been a bed of roses. And I know your journey in life has probably been different than mine. But people are people. And I'm not talking here. I'm talking my years. I've, I've been in the ministry now for... 23 years. Started leading a choir at 15 years of age. So that makes it even longer 28. But I, I want you to know that if I held on to every bit of bitterness that I had in my life, I would not be your pastor today. I love that I've overcome it, I love that I've conquered it. And I want you to do the same thing. I want our church family to be free. And all you have to do is forgive, let go, and let God take residence in your life. Will you do that this morning? Will you allow God to have a deep relationship with you? I know there's pain, I know there's hurt. But if I could fix it, I'm going to tell you, I'd put you on the surgery table and open you up and take it right out of you. But you don't want to trust me with any tool, a scalpel or a hammer. But I want you to know that God can be trusted and that God wants to free you. Will you let him? That's all, stand as the praise team comes this morning. Father, we realize that in our unholiness that you're holy. And Lord, I just pray that this morning you'll help us. Oh God, deliver us. Free us from anger. Free us from disappointment. Free us from the pain and the hurt that takes our life away from fellowship with you. And God, if I were praying quietly, even in my prayer room, but I'm going to say it publicly today. Oh God, I... I desire for every person in this congregation to be free. Lord, we can't do that unless we humble ourselves before you. And as you give us grace, Lord, you'll lift us up. Oh God, I pray for this congregation. Lord, I pray for my family members. I pray for the marriages across the this earth and this world that struggle because Satan hates marriage but God may you bring back the joy of our salvation help us mold us remake us fashion us to be like you Lord we stop this morning we bow our head in reverence at this time of reflection to realize how holy you are. Lord, we ask that you'll deliver us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.